Welcome to the ICO Alert podcast. I'm your host, Mike Finch, COO and co-founder of ICO Alert. You might ask, what is ICO Alert, right? Well, essentially, ICO Alert is your discovery engine for all new ICO offerings on the market. We list roughly 350 ICOs every month, have a large full-time team of passionate cryptocurrency enthusiasts here in Pittsburgh, right? So whether you're a retail investor, credit investor, hedge fund, private equity firm, whatever. It's our goal to help connect you with all of these awesome new projects. If you have any questions, thoughts, think we can work together, feel free to connect with us at team at icoalert.com or tweet us at the username icoalert. If you have questions for me, any questions for Gautam, uh, thoughts about this podcast, feel free to tweet me at that Finch guy. And of course, nothing on this podcast should be considered investment advice or any other piece of advice. I mean, goodness, have you heard the Roundtable podcast? Especially those guys. Anyway, my guest today was none other than Gautam Ibatori, co-founder and CEO of the new project Lend Ledger. Uh, so for those who don't know, Lend Ledger is doing some pretty amazing things. Uh, they've really already begun. Everyone likes to kind of talk about blockchain having various impacts on society and developing countries, but it, it seems to just kind of be a, a cocktail hour discussion most times. Lendledger's not like that, right? They're actually picking up the ball and running with it. Uh, they have the desire, the experience to really be a catalyst for that growth. It was an absolute pleasure talking to Gautam today. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Gautam, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Mike. How's it going? Going well, going well. It's uh, it's been a good couple weeks in crypto. We've seen some some movement on Bitcoin and whatnot. You know, it's yeah. always positive. I love that. I love waking up and seeing something going green instead of red. Right. <laughs> very uh, very key. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, really appreciate you doing this podcast. First way we usually start this off is uh, just to kind of get to know you. So you know, introduce yourself. What's your background? How'd you get into cryptocurrency? Okay, super. So. Again, my name is Gautam Ivaturi. For folks listening who uh, haven't heard me speak, don't know me, uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of LendLedger. LendLedger is a network uh, for lending using blockchain, and I'm excited to tell you guys more about that. Uh, American, uh, born in New York and grew up just outside New York City. And I got into this stuff because I've spent most of the last 20 years working in emerging markets. And in emerging markets, uh, in the financial sector where I've been working, it's a humongous, humongous opportunity because you guys hear a lot about, you know, 1.7 billion, 2 billion people unbanked, and that's just a massive thing. So that's the kind of space right. I've been in. And, you know, I started in 16, 17 years ago in microfinance where we were going out to rural villages in India and handing out cash to groups of women who were borrowing the money from us. And then we'd go back every week and collect a repayment. So it was a lending, very sort of cash-based, very physical. And just given technology, given the growth of mobile phones, and now with blockchain, that's getting more and more digitized, more and more automated, and we can lend and we can help more and more people. So uh, so crypto, I think, is just the bit next humongous wave that's changing the way this entire financial sector works around the world. And to me, it's exciting because it's the majority of the human population you know, is uh, is kind of a, a candidate for getting help this way. That's wild. How long ago was it that uh, you were there in India doing that? So I started in 2002, which is the first. I mean, I've been going because I'm you know I'm Indian background, so I've been out there uh, with family and spent time out there and stuff. But 
the first time I went out there to work on this, uh, I had been already done a startup, you know, before that I had worked at the World Bank, I worked on Wall Street, uh, but felt like I wanted to do something in an emerging market. So I went and lived in India for a year in 2002, 2003. That was a long time ago now when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine a lot has changed, uh, especially with uh, crypto coming forth. Do you know, just kind of offhand, what's the latest in, in India as far as crypto regulation goes? It's always hard to tell. Yeah, so there's lots of noise. It's you know, it's it's a population that is so tech-oriented uh, or, and so tech-savvy that there's a humongous latent uh, sort of appetite for crypto and new stuff and phones and all of this. So uh, I think you can't hold that back. And so the government there tends to be cautious. And so they're you know, regularly putting out pronouncements saying, look, people have got to watch out. This stuff can be dangerous. You can lose your shirt. They've told banks not to deal with crypto exchanges until you know, the regulators sort of figure things out. So they've actually put out some very you know, sort of concrete rules about not letting the banking system get affected by crypto. But to me, you know, knowing what I know about how they've done things in, in the financial sector for the last 20 years, you know, that's just them proceeding step by step. So they're not going to work like a Malta or, you know, a Bermuda where they're rushing to embrace something right. new because these guys have kind of gotten where they are by being very methodical and very uh, pragmatic and kind of steady in their approach. But it's it, you can't hold it back. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real bull in terms of where crypto is going to take India and how many Indians are going to be involved in crypto. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to see some of the stats that are coming out these days, especially in a in a younger audience, the UK, Germany, I mean, it's 20, 30, 40% of uh, a certain age range. I think it was like 18 to 26 or 18 to 28 or something that uh, owned cryptocurrency. Right. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be held back. That's for sure. Um, back to Len Ledger. So tell us, you know, what is Len Ledger? What's, you know, kind of the, the problem that Len Ledger is solving? Sure. So... The big thing that I found uh, over the last you know, 20 years doing this kind of stuff was that, and this is a problem with the World Bank and a lot of people talk about, is that there's not enough access to credit. So if I'm a small business, if I'm an individual and running you know, my household, from time to time I need money to help me do things smoother. It could be that somebody's got fees that they need to pay at school. It could be that somebody's got a health emergency. It could be a small business that needs cash for expansion. It could be that the economy is a little bit, you know, hit a downturn and I need extra cash to help me through, or I need to come up with some, you know, payments to suppliers, but whatever it is, I need capital. So credit is one of these things that makes our economies work. And around the world, you've got just looking at small businesses, something like 200 to 250 million small businesses, many of whom are mom and pop type stores who don't have access to credit. And they don't have access to credit because they, in many cases, are not even formally registered as enterprises, they've never taken a bank loan, uh, they don't have any sort of record in a credit bureau. So if I'm a bank and somebody walks up to me as a small business and says, hey, I need $2,000 or $5,000, there's really no information I can turn to to give this small businessman uh, or small businesswoman a loan. And that ends up being a massive problem when you add it all up around the world. There's two, you know, 200 million enterprises ends up being something like $2 trillion in loans that don't get made. So if we can solve that in some way, that would be a massive boost to the economy, a massive boost to hundreds of millions of people's businesses and lives and their families' lives. And that's what Lend is trying to do. So that's the problem. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, it's quite the problem yeah. to tackle, so for sure. So we're superheroes, man. There's no doubt about it. We're superheroes because <laughs> we're solving a massive problem. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I laugh at that, but really it's, uh, it's the truth. I mean, we've, we've talked to a you know, number of different founders and, um, that is certainly the case, right? Like it, it takes, um, you know, some serious drive and discipline to take on challenges like this. So that's, that's awesome. Um, is the, the main market India because of your history there? Uh, the market's global. Uh, and India has a special connection, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But the reason the market's global is because of the trend that's going to make this all possible. So blockchain is how we're going to do it. But the reason we can do it now and we couldn't do this, let's say, 10 years ago uh, is not just blockchain, but it's also because there's just so much data available these days. So, for example, you know, in India, you go up to a small store uh, or in China and you have people who are willing to take payments you know, they look like a small sort of, you know, older establishment, it doesn't look very fancy, but they'll actually take a debit card or credit card payment. They'll even take a payment mm-hmm. with a mobile wallet. In some cases in India and China nowadays, you've got, you know, QR codes. So they'll show you a little piece of paper with a QR code. Uh, and I know some of your colleagues have actually looked at this in a number of places, you know, and they'll take payment via QR code. So your phone does a QR code scan and you can pay using your phone. So Given this kind of data that's now available, the record of sales for these small stores, the fact that the guy's been paying employees, you know, with mobile wallets or the fact that he's been paying suppliers. And so there are these digital records that have been accumulating and now more and more parts of the world have this. That's what makes this a global solution, because what LendLedger does really is it connects those sources of data to banks and other lenders uh, so that lenders now don't have to wait for the guy to be in the credit bureau. Uh, they can actually see data gotcha. and they can say, okay, I can see that you have been you know, selling $2,000 a month worth of stuff through your mobile wallet or through a debit card terminal, POS terminal. And so I now feel confident to look at that data and give you a loan because I can predict how much money you're going to be selling next month on this. So it's that data that is actually what's making this a global thing. So if so LendLedger can work in India, it can work in China, it can work in East Africa, and these are all markets that we're starting to look at. And it can work in the U.S. Uh, because this is the kind of stuff that Square and others here have started to do too. Wow. Okay. So it, just to summarize, it's essentially the, the, the payment processors that are collecting this data and you all can work with those payment processors to you know, be the intermediary between uh, the processors and these banks and these these lenders and whatnot. Is that right? That's right. So LendLedger, we think of it as a open network that connects the data providers, which in many cases are payment processors, connects the data providers, it connects the lenders, it connects borrowers uh, so that data can be shared and loans can be made. And then we can store all of those uh, transactions and all of the loans on the blockchain so we can see a reputation for everybody developed. And uh, payment processors is definitely one of them. In India, we have an existing business that has a license uh, as a lender, and we've been doing it for about 15 to 16 months. Uh, We've done about $10 million in loans in India, uh, taking data from some of the largest payment processors, uh, but other kinds of networks too, you know, Western Union type companies, companies that sell mobile airtime top-ups, companies that handle bill payments. All of these are sources of data we can use. Uh, even, you know, the likes of a Flipkart or Amazon, which sells online, they've got all these sellers. So if you're a seller of Amazon, you know, you're selling on the Amazon platform, we can see your sales history. That's basis for us to lend to you. So, you know, that's what we've been doing in India. That's been very successful. We've done about 18,000 loans now. And, uh, and so you asked about India, the connection with India is that we've got this operating business. And so when LendLedger is all live in a few months, 
as a blockchain-based protocol, we can port our Indian lending business onto this and in the next year do about 30 to $36 million of loans that'll you know just swing right over onto this network because of the operating business we have. Goodness gracious. So you guys are doing over 1,000 loans each month at this point. Yeah, we're doing, now it's closer to 2,500 to 3,000 and we're dispersing wow. about $100,000 a day. And so again, this is you know a separate business that we've started. So it's the same people who are who started LendLedger. Uh, we had this beforehand, and it's really because we had that experience, and we could see that this is something we could do globally. Then it became obvious. Look, why why would we want to start another company like this next door in China or in Burma, Myanmar, or in East Africa? Really, this is a global solution. So we should have a global solution, and and that's where blockchain and you know, these open APIs come in. That's where LendLedger came in. So it really, we developed this thing because we had experience doing this in one market and could see how right. it could be used elsewhere. Yeah, that's not always the case. Um, I think as the ICO market, you know, crypto market continues to mature, it's it's going to be experience that kind of sets projects apart. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, one of the biggest questions we always ask projects is uh, why put this business or this concept on the blockchain, right? Like what are the positive benefits that having a token brings to, as you said, already a, a flourishing business? Right. So there's two, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking through this because obviously, you know, if you don't need it, there's no point doing it. People talk a lot about how blockchains aren't the best database out there, but they do fulfill a specific role. So in our case, the first question is why blockchain? In, in, in there, I think it becomes pretty straightforward, which is that we are sharing data between a number of different parties, and we're trying to do that without any intermediaries sitting in the middle. In India, we've signed agreements with the payment processors and others, and we take all the data and we make the loans. Uh, and so we're kind of the intermediary between sources of capital and the data, and we keep all the records. So we know who's a good borrower, who's not a good borrower, and then we report to the credit bureau from time to time because we're required to. But in other markets, we don't want to have this intermediary company. We want it to be an open network so anyone who has data can join up. Anyone who can be a lender can look at the data and make loans. Uh, and so we need a record of all of these loans and all of these sharing of data that's transparent that anyone can look at and then decide who they want to do business with. You know, We need a marketplace that isn't governed by an intermediary like eBay which is the one that's saying, okay, this borrower has you know five stars and this lender has three stars and all that kind of stuff. So you need to, to have that sort of shared and trusted repository of data and build these reputations and have these reputations publicly accessible. We need something that no one owns and that's where the blockchain comes in. And uh, I think you, know, you see it happen in real life because we know all about these hacks that happen and credit bureaus like TransUnion, mm -hmm. Equifax and others who yep. are you know, getting hacked and all of our data is in there and now anybody can see it. And, you know, that's that's the intermediary kind of thing that we think we don't need to have, we shouldn't have, and the blockchain can replace that. Gotcha. So on the global scale then, the, the, the platform, this ecosystem that you're talking about, right, is essentially connecting your lenders and your borrowers, right? So those lenders are, who, who are these lenders? So we're thinking, uh, because of our experience, because we have a license, you know, we know that the most money in the world sits with, uh, that for, you know, that's going to be loaned out, is going to sit with financial institutions. And we've seen that in India and elsewhere, if you can show people data, financial institutions will lend. So the initial lenders we're thinking of isn't so much the P2P space, where it's you or me or guys like us, 
but it really is banks and other people who lend as their business. And that's the source of capital we want to tap first. And you guys already work with banks in India, yes? Right, no? yes. So we work with okay. uh, lenders who are now starting to be banks because we've proved it with non-banks, but we, we have a license to lend and we work with other licensed lenders to get these loans out. Gotcha. Banks are, it you know, kind of depends on your perspective, I guess, but either quickly or slowly moving into the cryptocurrency space. What is kind of your field, just, you know, as a, as a side topic here, um, as, to, as to where banks are with cryptocurrency blockchain adoption? Like, what do you see from, from your side? So I was excited because I was in Amsterdam speaking at an event uh, last month, and um, I did not set up any specific meetings with these folks. But after the talk that I gave, I had three big Dutch banks come by. So A, it was amazing that these guys were there. B, that they saw something that resonated in what we were talking about. And these guys weren't necessarily fixated on small business lending, but just they were looking for how blockchain could help them. And we had one set of guys who came out of farmer loans. So they wanted to lend to farmers and they were looking for ways blockchain could help, blockchain and crypto. Guys doing real estate lending. So I think that you know banks are highly pragmatic. They are very expert and their focus is on capital efficiency. And so if they can find stuff that does the job and that does it more efficiently, they're all for it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm bullish in terms of their interest and appetite in this. Separately, because of you know the whole crypto and crypto markets and also trying to play nice with governments, they have to sort of right. can't be you know exuberant about you know crypto and trading crypto in public. But I think we all know that <laughs> many of the banks in the U.S. and elsewhere are also looking serious at that because it is an asset class. It's not going away, and there's opportunities to make money. So that's uh, that's cool to hear. Absolutely. So on one side, like I said, we have the lenders. On the other side are the borrowers. Describe a borrower. Why is this borrower incentivized to use LendLedger in the first place? So that's a great question. And I think that in my ideal world, the borrower does not even know they're using LendLedger. And the way we're designing the thing, the borrower doesn't even need to know that they're, they've got blockchain or crypto at all in the background. So first, you know, when we do our Indian lending business, you know, and we start moving that Indian lending business onto LendLedger, we're going to have all the loans getting recorded on the blockchain. Uh, we're going to have, you know, people's repayments and the reputation start to emerge. So people will know that, hey, if I don't repay my loan, then there's a public record of that. That's going to be known. The fact that that's, you know, uh, LendLedger got me the loan might be a secondary issue, you know, because they will have used some bank to get the loan, but then there's going to be a public record that everybody contributes to. Whether or not we, you know, brand that LendLedger is a separate story. But ideally, people don't know that they're using LendLedger because the banks are using it, the data providers are using it, and it's really, you know, it's the pipes. Uh, it's not necessarily the interface. Okay. And the second thing I said about not wanting people to know crypto, you know, we've designed the way the token works so that the borrower is just getting a loan in their local currency, whether it's dollars or rupees or Kenyan shillings or whatever. The borrower gets that. Uh, in their bank account when they get a loan. And the lenders, even the banks we're talking about, you know, the lenders don't have to worry about crypto either. They're lending in their own currency. So on both ends, we're talking about local currency and the token and the crypto stuff really just happens in the middle uh, through a separate entity we've come up with called the credit node, which kind of you know handles that and makes a business out of that. 
So that's my ideal. My ideal experience is that a business who could be a small, you know, you know, I, I shared pictures of a milk trader in India who's got eight part-time employees and, you know, small business could be a mom and pop store, a tailor, a liquor store, you know, restaurant, cafe, whatever. All of these types of companies, they just have to go out and get a loan and they get it in local currency and they don't have to worry about crypto and they don't have to know the name LendLedger. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this and, and seeing the potential for this for sure. Um, what, what kind of competition is out there, both, um, you know, in the cryptocurrency space and outside of the cryptocurrency space? Like, what, what's kind of some context on any available lending that exists for some of these folks now? So typically, you know, the reason this is a problem is because they can't go to a bank and get a loan. So a customer like this goes to friends and family, which, you know, we can imagine how difficult that is, whether it's a household expense or a family expense or a business expense. My only solution is to go to my friends, my community, my family. That creates a lot of social sort of discomfort. I can't keep doing that again and again. Or I just, you know, I don't even borrow. Or I go to local money lenders who charge, you know, in developing countries, certainly super high interest rates, you know, 100% plus. It's almost like, you know, going to a pawnbroker here. And, really? Yeah. So yeah, 100% plus wow. is for sure. Yeah, per, per, per year. So that's, so they have bad alternatives. Uh, and that's why, you know, this whole data-driven lending, as we call it, you know, where we're using the kind of data we spoke about, is so much better for them. And, you know, the experience we give to customers in India is where you just get a phone call and because we've been able to see the data uh, anonymously, you know, then through the data provider, the partners, we're able to make an offer to the customer. So he's literally getting an email or a uh, you know phone call saying, look, we've seen the data and you, Mr. or Mrs. Business person is eligible for a loan. So the experience this way will be so much better. But it's, a, it's this data-driven lending and lending in general, it's a huge market. It's starting to really pick up all over the world. And this is a question of, are we gonna build it in a way that's scalable and that's global, which is using blockchain and using an open network? Or are we going to rely on you know company by company, country by company, country by country? This thing get you know happening the way we did it initially in India, and I just don't think that's scalable. So, and you know you're in the crypto space day in day out, so you know that there's other parties like Salt, who we know very well, and Celsius, and ETHLAND, and all sorts of folks who are talking about lending in crypto. Um, right. We're different because we're talking about lending specifically to small businesses. Specifically, we're talking about fiat-based lending. We're not talking about lending crypto. And we're talking about not P2P initially, but we're talking about lending from financial institutions. So it's a separate niche, uh, not competing and not really overlapping with the likes of Assault, Celsius, ETHLAND, and others. And in fact, we have a number of potential partnerships with folks like that that we hope to announce soon. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Another partnership we can't announce on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool to uh, that's cool to see that you know that that might be forming. That's just kind of a, a running joke we have in the office that uh, I'm always the one asking for big announcements, and it's always you know right. TBD. You were my first call but, uh, when anyway. I had a big announcement, and then you get me back on. <laughs> my man, absolutely every week. I like it. Um, cool. Okay, so then LendLedger, you know, is, is this this you know, kind of middleman of sorts, right? How is LendLedger kind of making money and succeeding and taking the business model that exists now and, you know, porting it over to the blockchain so that it, it can be successful there? Right. So we've got a lending business in India. That's that's making money because it charges, you know, 2% a month, or roughly 24% a year on its loans. 
And that's a very clear business model. Now, when we talk about, and by the way, that business is called Happy Loans. Uh, and Happy, happy Loans, loans okay. yeah. And so, and the website there is happiness, happy with a Y, nest.net. Um, just by the by for people who are listening. But uh, when you talk yeah. about now an open blockchain-based network, it's a different business model. We're not lending money ourselves. We're just creating the pipes. And that's where we, we're focusing really just on ensuring that uh, the amount of lending that happens through LendLedger, through this network grows. Uh, and as it grows, you know, the token that's created uh, will appreciate. And I think that's, you know, just the way token economics work. Our business will be offering, you know, basic software to lenders and to uh, data providers who want to connect to the network. But the focus for us really is just making the network work. We already have a lending business. Uh, that one's doing very well. This is a little bit different. This is about creating an open network that's just going to grow in value uh, as the volume of lending on the system increases and increases. And and just to be clear, you're not just kind of creating the network. You're, you know, as you say in your white paper, also planning on offering a, a suite of different services to kind of have this like quote unquote plug and play uh, solution, but what do you what are you guys planning, and, and you know, kind of what's what's expected down the road? So the um, software that we're talking about is so that if I'm a lender and I'm in a market where LendLedger has started kicking off, I can actually log on to a website and I can see what kind of data sources are out there, uh, and I can make offers for data, or I can try to get access to data, and all of this is ethical, encrypted, without private information being shared until the customer consents. So those interfaces allow lenders to see what you know is out there and allow data providers to say, hey, look, I've got data on sales of 100,000 small merchants that I'm willing to share. So those interfaces are the basic software we're talking about. But again, it's open source. So people who want to can uh, you know, build that themselves if they want. Or if there's a bank that wants to connect directly, it can do that. My, my biggest focus is really ensuring that it's as easy to use uh, and as, you know, we, we have to evangelize it. I've been, I've, I ran a program for the Gates Foundation and the World Bank 10 years ago. We were trying to get people to use cell phones to do banking and to do transactions. And it took 10 years, you know, in emerging markets, even in, in, in America, I mean, it's taken a long time for people to really get comfortable with this stuff. So I know it takes time. So what, we, what we're doing is, you know, we, we're budgeting 10 years of our time to really get these kind of new pipes out there. Um, and I think that's the focus. The focus is just getting more and more value running as loans through the network. Tell me a little bit more about how the token works. So if we want to believe that the lending is working, I mean, if we, if I give you a loan, you know, and I want to share the fact that, that I made the loan and you want to share the fact that you were a good borrower, people need to believe what's on the blockchain. They need to believe this transaction. They need to believe the record of that loan. And that only happens if we actually have a transaction where I've sent you value on the blockchain. So we need to have a kind of IOU or an accounting unit where I've actually made a loan to you. And we call those ledger credits. So the token that we're okay. selling is actually cool. The symbol is loan, L-O-A-N, and we're doing it on the Stellar uh, blockchain network, which I'll talk more about. Nice. But uh, so this loan token that we're selling, the loan token that will be available to the public is the decentralized way of getting access to those ledger credits. So if loan tokens are staked in a smart contract, that releases credits that are used to make loans. So if I'm a lender sitting in you know, ah. India, for example, and I say, hey, I want to make, let's say, a million dollars worth of loans to some small businesses, 
I send a million dollars in cash, you know, in fiat, uh, not in cash, in fiat, to a credit node, and the credit node, who is kind of this entity in the market, takes that fiat, stakes loan tokens, which are our tokens, they stake the loan tokens, and that releases credits that I, as a lender, can use to make loans. So that's really the purpose of the, of the loan token. The loan token gets access to the system, but it also unlocks the credits on the network that can be used for lending. And that's the way, and those credits are pegged to fiat. So that's the way all of this stuff is pegged to fiat, and the borrower and the lender don't have to worry about crypto volatility or anything like that. Gotcha. Okay. And will uh, the goal be uh, for the lender themselves to have you know, a super easy solution to stake uh, those tokens? Because I can imagine if you take a super complicated process to, you know, uh, maybe someone who's a little more senior, who, yeah, they want to they want to make these loans work, but certainly they can't have you on the phone or in the office every time uh, they want to. Totally. That, that would present a problem. Totally. And that's where we think this credit node comes in. So we've already you know, had discussions with a number of parties and a number of markets. And these are parties who are interested in playing the role of a credit node where their job is to take that $1 million in fiat currency and stake loan tokens. Uh, and then you know give credits back so that way the lender or the bank just as you said doesn't even have to deal with staking all they need to know is that okay they're dealing with a credit node they hand over the, the money they want to lend and then they get the credits on the system they can use to make loans so the combination gotcha. of the credit node plus this token is really the you know that's the special sauce in LendLedger to kind of make fiat based lending happen uh, and it happens exactly in reverse for the borrower. If I'm a borrower and I got these credits all of a sudden, you know, my app or my web-based system, you know, will automatically send those back to a credit node who will end up giving me fiat. So I don't have to deal with tokens or crypto in any way. So, uh, in fact, we, you know, we've, we've got a blog where we put more, we're putting tons of content, we're announcing community experts and all sorts of stuff, but there's a specific post that we just put up just on how this whole token and credit node thing works, which you know, folks who are interested will want to look at. Yeah, and what's the link for the blog? So that's just medium.com uh, slash LendLedger. And there's also a link Perfect. to it on our website, which is at LendLedger.io. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, check that out for sure. I had the pleasure of reading a lot of the, the different blog posts there and super informative. Um, you know, one of the kind of key components here, and, and this exists in a handful of different projects, right, is that to some degree what LendLedger is going for is network effect, right? Like you, you have to have the lenders in order to convince the borrowers to use your system or, or you know, have a, a platform that makes any sense to them. And in the same way, uh, lenders aren't going to be interested unless you uh, have the borrowers there who uh, they're lending to. So obviously you guys have a, a core uh, business inside India, and it sounds like you've been talking to a lot of different financial institutions, you know, some of whom are, are on board already. But you know, what do you kind of see as the key factor or factors in um, really this project kind of gaining, you know, mass adoption globally? Right. Uh, totally right on. I think that's really the the key thing. The key thing is network effects and getting out there because that's what we are is is a network, and that every new data source we add is going to bring more lenders to it and every new lender you bring to it in any given market is going to bring more you know data sources to it so you know we are focused i think what's exciting about lendedger is we've got an indian lending operation where our data providers include the largest 
e-commerce players, the largest payment networks, the largest you know, card swipe networks, largest mobile wallet providers. So we have just in India alone, you know, we have tapped into data on uh, more than 5 million potential borrowers uh, and our providers have, you know, tons and tons more. So that's going to get us kickstarted. So I'm very comfortable with kind of where we are in India. And we've already had discussions now in markets like Myanmar, uh, which is, you know, 50 million people, pretty sizable country, uh, Indonesia, Nigeria, Kenya. So I think what, what's going to make this happen is the fact that our background really has been in emerging markets, financial sectors for the last 20 years. Uh, I've worked at the World Bank, worked at the IFC, which is the private sector arm of the World Bank. Uh, we've got great networks, you know, to get this going, and that's really going to be the focus. So um, we've sold to banks, we've run banks. My partner Manish Kara, who's based in India, who's running our Indian lending operation, used to run. He was the CEO of the Airtel Payments Bank, and Airtel is the largest telecom company oh, wow. in India. Um, so we've really been in this space for such a long time, both in India as well as other emerging markets like Latin America, East Africa, etc. That I think it's just those relationships um, that are really already starting to bear fruit. Wow, fantastic! It's great to hear. I mean, it, it's as we've said already on this podcast, a, a huge need that needs to be solved. So, as we kind of look forward on a roadmap, what does the team look like right now? You know, what kind of what kind of uh, size do you have? Uh, sure. As far as the team goes, and then. Uh, what you know? What's the plan for growth in these other countries? Are are you just you know totally blowing it out of the water and getting in as as many spots as you can to start? Are you growing more cautiously? You know what's what's the plan over the next two, three, five years? Right. So the team core team on Lend Ledger is eight full time people, and then we have access to another thirty people who are part of our Indian lending business. You know, as we need information, insights, data. It'll help on the tech, that kind of thing. Uh, right. I'm based in New York. The company, LendLedger, uh, is set up now in Singapore. Uh, and the token sale we're doing is out of Singapore. Um, and then we've got folks in San Francisco and in um, um, India, uh, where most of our technology people are based. And in fact, what we've been doing is really ramping up our knowledge and expertise with Stellar because we're using Stellar as our... Uh, blockchain of choice, um, and that's for a number of reasons. But you know, I'm pretty excited about Stellar because it really works for small ticket transactions, and we're talking in many cases about small ticket loans, and it's very fast. And they've been yeah. helpful in kind of you know uh, talking with us about how we can use their network as well. So, uh, so that's kind of you know our our uh, you know, and we bring already a lot of industry expertise to it. So it was really the blockchain type stuff where we had to get up to speed, and we've got now some great folks who are working on that. In terms of roadmap. Uh, you know, the milestone for the next couple of months is to finish the pre-sale and then sale of our loan token. So that's kind of what a lot of current focus is on. Uh, and then by the end of the year, we intend to have the entire Indian lending operation, uh, Happy Loans, running on LendLedger. Uh, and as I said, that's now dispersing about $100,000 a day in loans. So that's going to give us, I think, a very strong demonstration of how the whole thing works. Uh, and we've got, you know, probably 20 different data providers in India, you know, many of these big players. So that's going to be a great kickstart. And then for the next year or two, we're going to look at a couple of strategic markets where we already have very strong networks 
uh, particularly East Africa and then East Asia. So that's the focus, but I've already had inbound interest from the United States and from, you know, these bankers in Holland and lots of places to kind of figure out how we can deploy this. What I'm excited about is, you know, I've run companies, we've run microfinance companies, digital lending companies, banks, all this kind of stuff. We've done that. This is different. You know, this is an open network. It's community driven. I mean, I'm just super excited when anyone pings me. We had somebody ping me because they finance solar stuff for schools in Tanzania so that schools in Tanzania can actually light themselves. And then those schools end up selling light and energy to the neighboring small uh, businesses. So that's like amazing. You know, the fact that what we're doing can actually be applied there uh, and the community can kind of take it, adapt the APIs and then start running using LendLedger, I think is phenomenal. And we're going to have the resources soon, I hope, to just evangelize and support stuff like that and get it out there. So we'll be opportunistic and reactive and responsive. But strategically, definitely, it's a couple of markets in East Africa and East Asia for us. Wow, man, that's giving me chills. That's that's incredible. That's exciting. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. You gotta, you gotta uh, prepare a, a foreign trip sometime in the next uh, <laughs> let's say twelve months, and I would love to show you, you know, stuff in one of these places. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Well, real real quick before we talk about the token sale, because I totally whiffed on it. I want to talk to you about Stellar. Um, you know, you, you kind of hinted at what Stellar does better than other blockchains, um, but on top of that. How was, uh, you know, the Stellar team as a whole, like how was the process and uh, working with them and evaluating their uh, blockchain? Because obviously they probably more than any other uh, blockchain have been in the news uh, quite a bit these days, right. as, as many uh, of us know, you know, with uh, IBM and, and a handful of other things. So. Yeah, it seems like there's a, there's a cool Stellar announcement coming out almost every day now, you know. Mm-hmm. So they've been fantastic. I think when we started researching the various platforms, uh, we gravitated initially, obviously, to Ethereum because that has historically been most popular. Um, But for what we have wanted to do, which is to allow any kind of loan to happen and the loans we've dealt with because they're relatively small, uh, you know, $500 is an average loan that we've dealt with. Some of the repayments we get are small as well, you know, $10, $20. So if you're going to record every repayment on the blockchain as we want to do with LendLedger, We need a very low cost way of doing that. And when you've got tons and tons of loans out there and you're recording repayments every day, you got to be able to have a system that can handle thousands of, you know, transactions concurrently. So that's where Stellar, I think, just hygiene wise, ticked all the boxes very easily. And then, as you mentioned, you know, they're in lots of emerging markets. You know, they've got partners, they've got anchors in countries like India and in Latin America and elsewhere. And they know all about talking to banks, whether it's about remittances or money transfers domestically, uh, you know, exchanging fiat for crypto. They're having conversations with the kind of folks that we have conversations with. And so philosophically and kind of understanding where we were coming from and then being responsive to that and getting us up to speed. You know, we're doing an ICO on Stellar, which is something only a handful of projects have done. And I think the Stellar community is getting a bit excited about that. So um, they've been very helpful yeah. in all these respects. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we've, we've seen nothing but positive news from Stellar. And it's it's exciting to see all of these new blockchains just uh, blooming, popping up. You know, some that have been around for a while, like a Stellar, and others that are brand new it's it's really it's fascinating to see kind of the different approaches that everyone is taking so right very cool uh well let's talk uh token sales so you mentioned you're in pre-sale right now 
Uh, what are the details there? Uh, how can folks contribute? And uh, you know, what, what's kind of the timeline on the rest of the sale? Right. We we just closed uh, about a week ago a uh, a first round of a token presale. As I mentioned, we're doing this out of Singapore. We have a Singapore legal opinion uh, that we are not a security. So. Uh, because we have that clarity and because we're emerging markets focused initially, you know, we wanted to do it in a place that was fairly clear about the, uh, the token models. And so Singapore made a lot of sense. We are not selling the token to, quote, UK persons, US persons and China persons, unquote. So that's, you know, individuals resident or, gotcha. um, uh, you know, domicile there. And, um, so other than those jurisdictions, we're, we've been pre-selling the tokens. We, we just closed a round, uh, which was mostly individuals, kind of a smaller round. Now we're building up more of the community, getting exposure uh, more, and we'll be announcing shortly sort of the opening of the second round of the pre-sale, and then a public sale, most likely you know down the road, which we'll announce. Uh, I can't specify dates at this point because we want to have stuff sure. built so that you know when people buy those tokens, they'll be able to do something with them. So that's coming up, right. so people should stay tuned. But definitely there'll be a second round of the pre-sale and that, you know, the details on that will be released. But on our website, actually, we have details of the first pre-sale round so folks can see, you know, it was a 50% discount to the token price and a minimum of 25,000 US dollars equivalent was what the details were with the first pre-sale round. Understood, okay. And let's say, you know, audience member here is listening today, they're just, totally on board with this project. They want to contribute or they don't want to contribute uh, through the token sale. How can they kind of assist with the project, get the word out, whatever? How can they contribute to the growth of Lend Ledger right now? Okay. A, uh, I would say do check out our website where you can sign up, join us. You know, you can express interest in the pre-sale if that's what captures your fancy, or you can just join us and tell us are you on the lending side, the borrowing side, or other, uh, you know, general interest? Uh, so that's for sure on the website at lendledger.io. We've got a Telegram group which is growing. There is actually a bounty program that's happening right now, so that's generating tons nice. and tons of interest. Uh, and there's details about that on Bitcoin Talk. Uh, if you look up Lendledger, as well as if you just join our Telegram group, and then. You know, I, I've been, I've got a big network in this space because I've been doing this kind of stuff in emerging markets for a long time and just having so many conversations now every day with folks all over the world. And I love doing that and sharing what we're up to and figuring out how we can work together. So people are also more than welcome always to ping me directly. And I'm at Gautam, G-A-U-T-A-M at lenledger.io uh, by email, or you can find me on awesome. Telegram. So yeah, any, any of the above would love to. Nice. And uh, just for clarity, what is the uh, telegram for LendLedger itself? So it's just t.com slash LendLedger. Easy enough. You can't screw that one up. I don't think you can screw that up unless I screwed it up. <laughs> I'm hoping I didn't screw it up, but no. Right, right. Cool. Awesome, Sorry, it's t.me. That's what it was. T.me slash LendLedger. T.me. Okay. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. T.me slash LendLedger for the telegram. Go check out the bounty campaign. Listen, it, it was a pleasure to meet you originally uh, in New York a, a little while back. I think this project has uh, some fantastic potential, and it's obviously been a pleasure here today to, to get some more in-depth information on uh, you know, what you guys have planned, the Stellar Network, the, the uh, LendLedger token, uh, and so many other things that seem to be kind of blooming and happening, You know, not only just in 
the lending space, specifically with uh, LendLedger as well. So listen, my friend, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate the time. Same here, Mike. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist. Only at ICOalert.com.